The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. Well, today we'll be talking about updates and things that I'm working on, some projects that are ahead, talk about energy issues and views. We do this about quarterly and appreciate you listening to the Energy Fellows Podcast. First of all, go to the show notes, rate and review us, tell us about how we're doing and give us some tips along the way. We'd love to have some input from you. And again, rating and review, as well as there's a survey under the show notes as well. Under that survey, if you'll fill that out and send it in, then we'll send you some stickers for your hard hat or for your laptop or other places as well. Do you want to use those? I really want to thank all those that have been involved with the documentary that Sherwood Forest Top Secret. Appreciate all those that have supported it both at watching on TV as far as pbs.org and on, at the theater and things like that. really appreciate everyone. Sherwood Forest, for those that do not know, and as a reminder to some, Sherwood Forest Top Secret is a story about roughnecks of Sherwood Forest. Back in 1943, there were about 44 roughnecks from Oklahoma that went to Sherwood Forest because back then there was about 150 barrels per day being produced, maxed, and the British needed help. They needed some innovation and some technology expertise that certain Americans could help with. So about 44 Roughnecks went over to Sherwood Forest and increased the production during World War II for the British joint effort to about 3,000 barrels of oil per day, and about a year, year and a half later, drilling about 106 wells and the success was great. So the oil, some of the oil, a big part of the oil, was used in D-Day. And so that story uh, is showing the sacrifice and the determination of those from the British as well as the Americans working together to provide peace, global peace, during that time in World War II, the roughnecks of Sherwood Forest. So please, if you get a chance, go to pbs.org and some other outlets as well to look at the documentary and to look at history that was made. We're really pleased that it was nominated for a Heartland Emmy Award, and we appreciate the impact of that as well. And it also received the, there were two films that received the Oklahoma Movie Hall of Fame induction for film, and that was one of the films that was inducted to Sherwood Forest Top Secret. So, Thank you for that. I enjoyed being a producer of the film, along with Gray Fredrickson, my partner for many years, who passed away November 20th. He'd been in the business for well over, well, since 1960s, and started out with The Good, Bad, and Ugly, and with Clint Eastwood and as production manager, and all the way to receiving an Academy Award for Godfather II, 
He also was nominated for Apocalypse Now. Missed my friend, Gray Fredrickson, as well as all those that were associated with him. He was a great person to work with, a great partner. That was his last docu-film to work on together and before his passing. He wasn't at the final screening that took place on December 29th, as far as the OETA, as far as that goes, Oklahoma Education Television Network, and that was December 29th of last year. But he was able to at least get a copy of it at his home to look at and approved it. And so we really appreciate his efforts as well. But he'd been very active. He won an Emmy personally as a producer back in 2008 for a film, Dream No Little Dream, by Robert S. Kerr. Gray and I had founded a company called Graymark Productions. And Graymark Productions is the company that won the Emmy along with the producer being Gray and some others. I started this company with Gray, Gray, and Mark. We started this company in 2001, produced the Emmy-winning documentary, as well as about five feature films or so. We maintained a partnership, and back in, it was about the year, let's see, 2011, I came across a book called The Grand Energy Transition, written by Robert Hefner III. And so I presented that to Gray, and Gray said, well, that that book's great, but the title looks great, that is. And he said, you know, Robert F. Third was my roommate at the University of Oklahoma, small world. <laughs> so it wound up that he contacted Robert Hefner because I was very interested as well as Gray. We ought to make a film on this, a docu-film or documentary, and which we did. That was completed in about a year and a half so later, about 2012. And so we showed it in Washington, D.C. and all around the country. And my even my hometown of Elk City was a premiere, Elk City, Oklahoma. So wanted to make sure we included my hometown in there. So, it, of course, Elk City is the natural gas capital of the world. Deep gas well about a mile south of Elk City was drilled in 1969, 24,000 feet or so. And a deep gas really got kicked off in the Elk City area, so it became the natural gas capital of the world at one point, especially deep gas. Then we went ahead and produced some other films, but that in particular last film was very special because it was one that was his last one, but one that really those that sacrificed their lives as roughnecks want to be remembered. We want to remember them for sure and what they had to sacrifice and work towards as well. I'm working on some other film projects. We'll update you on those as we proceed. Again, my appreciation to Gray and his team and our team that we worked with through the years. And hopefully I have some other projects in front of you in the not-too-distant future. The column in the Old Man Magazine, I started a column. This is an update about the column. Old Man Magazine in 2014, soon approaching completion of 10 years. I'm already started on the 10th year as a columnist and as a contributing editor of Old Man. And the publisher, Emmanuel Sullivan, also has two other magazines, which I've contributed to, Energies Magazine and Old Woman Magazine. I've been a contributing columnist there as well. But steady, every time there's an issue of Old Man, I've been part of that since 2014. I love it. I'd like to hear from you on any of these things. If you have an idea, especially when it comes to column, to a column that you'd like me to write about, please do so. There's so many things that are moving when it comes to energy. Nothing moves without energy. And so we like to discuss all forms of energy, which leads me to the books that I've written. I've written several books. 
One in particular, America Needs America's Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan, was released in 2012 and went out on the circuit, started off in Washington, D.C., and went to Pepperdine University, UCLA, and went around across the country in Montana, Texas, and across, again, many states to present this idea of how America needs to create the energy plan for the future. And then I decided that something needs to be done since it was times going by. We wound up 10 years later having a monograph written, supplement to American Needs America's Energy, creating together the Peaceful Energy Plan, to American Needs America's Energy and its natural resources. And I was very pleased that I had the support of students, graduate students at Oklahoma State University that assisted in this project to put a condensed version of our natural resources to be able to, for those that are you know, new to the business and those that are actually active in the business would have a supplement to use and reference to. And I appreciate those at the program at the West Watkins Center for International Studies at Stillwater, Oklahoma, that contributed their time and effort and the leadership there as well, led by Andrew Ranson, who's executive director of the Center for International Trade Development, the actual name, at the West Watkins Center in Stillwater, Oklahoma State University. The book, and especially the monograph, I think shows really where we are today. The key is I want those that read the book and read the monograph will be able to take from that that there's this energy transition that's ahead of us. And with an energy transition, it's not overnight. It takes many years of planning and many years of execution. And when it comes to infrastructure, it's so important that we have the proper infrastructure and we're looking at reliability, accessibility, and things like that that are so essential components of making sure we have solid direction when it comes to an energy future. And so I hope that you'll pick up the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, both books are available, American Needs, America's Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan, and American Needs, America's Energy and its Natural Resources. There's actually a book that I would recommend too, I recently attended a reception honoring Harold Ham's release of Game Changer in Oklahoma City. And Game Changer is not just a bio by any means. It gives individuals a roadmap, gives us a roadmap for America's future energy. It was held at the Ham Institute on American Energy in Oklahoma City. It was well received. There was Alex Steele in attendance, and actually she was led the Q&A. She was Alex Steele works with Bloomberg Media, and she did a great job in the discussion, the conversation with Harold. And Harold covered so many different areas, basically the, the beginnings of continental resources all the way to 50 years that he's been working at trying to look at America's independence, America's energy independence. And so important that we have that, and he's really worked hard to present his ideas, his concepts of how to get there, and using our natural resources as well. And he mentioned, you know, he's definitely a pro-oil and gas, but at the same time, he's for all forms of energy, definitely because the Institute carries that name. It's not just the Ham Institute on Energy, American Energy. It's American, not just oil and gas, but it means American energy is really the emphasis, I should say. There are so many different areas that we've got to look at as a, and why I have this update is where are we right now and what are the challenges we have? 
there's a lot of conversation, but not necessarily good dialogue. A lot of times there's more of, here's the way I believe and this way it's going to be. And I find that's very troubling at times because I find that discussion is so valuable. Conversation is so valuable. What I heard from Harold when he was giving his conversation at this book event, Game Changer, he was showing roadmap and pathways that he believed were essential. And I know there's those that have different ideas and different potential solutions that be heard as well. And so I hope to have this discussion and conversations on the Energy Fellows, the OGGN Network podcast, because I believe that we have a lot to discuss and we've got a great future ahead, but it takes years and years of developing plans and developing the infrastructure I mentioned earlier. And to do that, we got to make sure we're really trying to head the right way and embrace all the different forms of energy necessary to get us there. We need to sit down together and have the strategy to make those plans happen. I really do appreciate the sponsors of this program. I appreciate the OGGN Network for this program as well. Energy education has been something I've been very interested in for many, many years. Back in the 80s, I got involved with American Energy Week for the state and was involved with that and helped coordinate some activities there. And then back in 1992, I founded a conference called the International Energy Policy Conference. That's stayed in effect really for 20 plus years as far as having conferences throughout the country. We had our first conference at the University of Oklahoma, thanks to Dr. Gus Gertsch, who was head director, executive director of Sarkis Energy Center. And then we've held at Oklahoma State University, Oklahoma Christian University. But then we've also gone outside our state to Washington, D.C., Houston, Dallas, Denver, and other locations, talking about the issue of energy policy. And we've had guests from across the U.S., but also around the world. We had you know, individuals from Great Britain, from Bulgaria, China, leadership from the World Bank and OPEC and others that attended the conference throughout the conference throughout the years, and we appreciate that. It was good dialogue, good conversation. At times, heated dialogue, but in a very structured way, and we've tried to maintain that through the years. The International Energy Policy Conference led into National Energy Talk, which is also a podcast that we've had, but also is an effort to talk about energy when it comes to roundtables and more of a setting that's not necessarily a conference, but more really true dialogue. So we've had roundtables throughout the country as well, and we'll continue to do the dialogues that really got kicked off with the International Energy Policy Conference in 1992. Since that time, we've also had honorary chairmen throughout the years. One of our honorary chairmen chairperson was Jean Kirkpatrick, ambassador of the United Nations. She served three times. She did an outstanding job for us. Miss her greatly. U.S. Senator Don Nichols and several others that throughout the years have contributed their time and effort to help with the conference. Again, we're looking at National Energy Talk. That is our effort now that really was the kickoff was International Energy Policy Conference. And so, again, appreciate all those through the years. And many have passed on and many have moved on, many have retired, many are still active in the industry, and so we really appreciate them. Talked about Harold Hamm, for example. We presented him an an award as Energy Advocate of the Year Award at the conference back in 2009. Aubrey McClendon and Boone Pickens and several others. 
throughout the years that got these awards. We also were very active in 2007 with the state of Oklahoma, holding or hosting four events. One was the present, the future, and the past of energy. And then we had one that was focused on women in energy. And so we saluted those that had contributed, those that we wanted to highlight, women that had really helped the industry in a great way, again, both past, present, and future as well. And that went successfully. We really appreciate all those that are involved, men and women, throughout the U.S. That, to provide the energy 24-7. We're on call to make sure energy is there for everyone. I salute the energy industry overall for doing that and helping that effort. But energy literacy has been something that, that I believe is so vital. And so definitely support your local associations and hear what they have to say when it comes to energy. It's so important. I will say that uh, workforce development is in the forefront. Workforce development is something I've been part of since I was in my teens. I was selected. There was a 20-member task force committee to talk about VOTEC and the future of VOTEC in Oklahoma. So that's more like getting close to 50 years that way. Instead of 40, it's about 50 years ago. This 20-member task force was something I was delighted to think about workforce development when it comes to not only on gas sector, but of course other sectors as well. But the universities here in Oklahoma, the energy centers and universities, departments throughout the U.S. are so important as well. And we appreciate all those that contribute to that and have through the years because workforce development begins with the technology side and begins with concepts, the vision, and you have to have a good talent department as well looking for talent, that is. And so to have a good talent, you have to have a strong mission and vision to bring in the right talent. You have to have a retention plan because if you don't, things can fall apart. So I know one company in particular that's working on that effort is Align Energy Solutions. Align Energy Solutions based in Dallas. And we've had Phil Rice on several times talking about solutions that can come about by aligning the workforce with the authentic company vision, authentic company vision and mission statement, along with the talent. And then you do maintain retention because of your efforts that way. So if you are interested in knowing more about that, I know that I can get you to the right folks. So please contact me on that as well. When it comes to data management, data management is so vital to our industry as well. And so one company that I know of is called Ripcord. And Ripcord works on the idea of not only using robotics, but AI to help in maintaining the data management in a, in a very effective way. And it's not only storing information, but also having the source of robotics and again, AI. And again, if you need to know more about that, please reach out to me as well. I get you to the right folks because data management is needed more than ever. I've been giving a talk since 2018 on the digital transformation from the whiteboard to the boardroom giving talks in Houston and Dallas and Denver and other locations, especially with the PPDM, Professional Data Management Association, that attended their annual conference as a speaker twice since 2018. Been active in that regard. So in any time you have speaking engagements, I'm very interested in that as well. I have spoken to NARO, especially the National Association of Royalty Owners. I've spoken to many conferences throughout the years in Las Vegas and Dallas, I've spoken in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, Little Rock, trying to think some other locations, but several locations throughout Albuquerque throughout the years, and then also 
the different desk and Derek organizations, also Wildcat organizations, Shreveport Wildcat, Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, San Antonio Wildcat Association. There's a lot of opportunities that I've had to speak, and I'd love to present ideas, love to conversation like dialogue. So please do not hesitate to reach out. And if I'm not available or it doesn't fit at the time, we've got the OGGN network with unbelievable talent and experiences there that I can definitely get you in touch with that can get the words out as far as contacts and making some good presentations for you throughout the country. There's also ESGs before us, environmental social governance. It's a concept that is definitely very important. At the same time, it's being pushed in a way by some that is not as productive as if it could be implemented in a proper way. Environmental social governance is something that needs to be looked at and company by company, but again, in a very structured way. If done incorrectly, it can cause companies not to invest, be invested in, I should say, by individuals, investors, because it gives an idea that there's not a care from people. And there is great care from the energy workforce overall. There's trying to develop solutions, striving for energy Efficiency and environmental preservation is a goal of many, but it needs to be looked at from the standpoint of how can it be implemented in a proper way? It doesn't need to be implemented. ESG is important. It definitely has some guidelines that need to be worked on, but to embrace it by being forced to embrace it is one thing, but to come up with solutions is a better way. So we hope that all those that are interested in working on ESG will do so in a right way to provide an opportunity, again, striving for energy efficiency and environmental preservation, which has been my theme since 1992 when I initiated that at the International Energy Policy Conference. So where's our future going? You know, we were talking about wind and solar and, you know, biomass and, you know, hydrogen, on and on. That's a challenge to think about. I mean, you take a look at electric vehicles. I recently heard where Elon Musk had talked at an event and said that, you know, oil and gas is very important to, our, to the future of the U.S., but at the same time, he knows that we're looking at energy transition and, of course, his business being part of that, electric vehicles, but also rockets. So he's looking at some opportunities of what does that future really mean? Will we have the supply that we need until we get through the energy transition or to the energy transition? And so electric vehicles will be part of that equation as well. But there's also other options and alternatives as well. Energy security concerns me. When I talk about the digital transformation, we also have to include cybersecurity. We've had some speakers that have been on the podcast to talk about cybersecurity. I will mention that that is something that's at the forefront, should be at the forefront of every company, not just oil and gas companies, but also any energy company that could be interrupted by not having the good cybersecurity plan in place. Another area of importance is LNG. I believe LNG is something that's going to be at our forefront as well. LNG and natural gas are very important factors in our future. And if you're not, haven't studied about that or would like to, please let me know. I've got some articles I've written, columns I've written about natural gas, hydrogen, LNG, and would be happy to provide that to you as well. Something that's on my heart a lot is energy for the world and making it affordable for the world. We're very fortunate in America of 300 million plus people in the U.S. 
But there's, you know, 3.5 billion people, is my understanding, that don't have access to the energy that we do have in the United States. When it comes to refrigeration, to transportation, to all the necessities, you know, when it comes to, I always say, a child tonight will not be able to read because there's not electricity at their disposal. There's no way to read a book or have access to the computers or whatever it might be. So it's important that we have energy for all the world. And so I'm really a strong believer of how can we do that? How can we make sure we have affordable, reliable, accessible energy, not just for us as Americans? And it goes beyond that. Uh, it's bigger than ourselves. It's for the whole world. There's so many people that need this for health reasons and for other reasons as well. I'd mention National Energy Talk. I hope you will join our efforts there. And if you have definitely a roundtable or conference you want us to speak at or put together to talk about national energy, I will again emphasize that we'd like to be part of that effort. We definitely believe that this can be accomplished by working together, not against each other. We're facing inflation and some other issues when it comes to economics. And that's something that we'll be talking about more and more. I've had some from the financial world, financial experts that have come on the show that have discussed their views when it comes to economics and strategies should take place and where we're heading or where we should head and how to get there. And so we'll be definitely looking at speakers that way as well. So again, if you have any questions, we like to have those presented to us. Go to rate and review. Give us your questions and we'd like to give you some answers we'd like to hear from you we'd like to hear from you as to what speakers are necessary to help you frame what you believe is the future and how we can work together to frame together our ideas to make sure that we do have a pathway a roadmap avenues to get us to the right pathways and so and the right solutions for our future as well I appreciate, again, all those who have been listening to the Energy Fellows. Appreciate all those who have listened to National Energy Talk and our efforts with National Energy Talk, the International Energy Policy Conference. Appreciate all those that have worked with me on the nonprofit side of the aisle to make sure we have the proper education for energy development, the future of energy. And appreciate all those through the years that I've worked with in the oil and gas industry, the energy industry, the future of energy depends on us, and it depends on all of us. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the Energy Fellows podcast. I'm Mark Stansberry, your host. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. 